This is Over the Ledge. On 98.1 WQAQ. Welcome back to Over the Ledge on 98.1 WQAQ. I'm Cameron Lavasser, joined alongside my co-host Connor Core. How are you doing today, Connor? I'm doing outstanding. You know, I had a couple classes today. I filmed a free, pre-tape for a TV show. You know, I just run all over the place, but at this point I'm expecting it and getting used to it and dealing with it. But you had a uh, long night, short, short on sleep. You get, you got some big things coming up. You want to tell people what you're working on first before we jump into some NFL news? Oh, I was, I was writing a big preview for the Quinnipiac Chronicle, um, uh, a men's hockey preview for the ECAC that's going to be published this week. Should be front cover of the paper. So, Ooh, front cover, baby. First one. Uh, I mean, we don't tease sports often, so I, I think this is the first one we've even had for sports since I've been here. So uh, if you want to check that out, it'll be around campus on Wednesday or online at quchronicle.com. Um, but week three, NF- the NFL season is in the books now, so we're here to talk about it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in uh, week three. There's a lot of stuff that we can't even predict, talk about. I know when we were prepping, we were talking about what games we want to talk about. There are going to be a week week four locks for the following week, but we just can't come to any conclusion. That's just how crazy the NFL is. Um, but, yeah, from what happens, we'll start right up at the top. One o'clock game, the Patriots playing the Ravens. I mean, we wrote it down in our notes that what a whole fiasco it really was. Yeah, that was probably some of the most bipolar football I have ever seen the Patriots play in my lifetime of watching that team. Yeah, it was from the little bits and pieces that I saw as I was running in and out of the room throughout the day. There were a lot of turnovers, a high-scoring games, like, Mac Jones hit the gritty, but then got a high ankle sprain. Whether those correlate or not is probably not the case by any means, but it was a very interesting game for probably what I would consider a high-anticipated game for the you know the Ravens just coming off a loss, seeing if they can respond against the Patriots, and Patriots just trying to you know figure out what kind of style of play they're going to be having this year with the you know selection by committee when it comes to calling offensive plays. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fun game for me to watch, and although I was disappointed with the outcome, I don't I don't think you expect me to be happy with that. But there's a lot of positive takeaways for me in this game, and I'll I'll start with the negatives because there's there's honestly less of those for me. Mm-hmm. And obvi- obviously the turnovers, big thing, a lot of turnovers in this game can't have that. There's a lot of bad reads that were leading to those turnovers um, fr- from Mac and from I mean on the fumbles too. That's on those guys. Yeah. And then, obviously, the injury to Mac, which they're saying is a high ankle sprain, will probably be out a couple, couple weeks, weeks, if yeah, not longer, saw, I'd imagine, yeah. which is obviously not a good thing. But the, the, the positives that I took out of this game, Devontae Parker finally coming alive, five receptions mm-hmm. for 156 yards. Two of Mac, Mac's interceptions were targets to him as well, which we've seen be a consistent <laughs> problem. But I'm going to take the wins where we can get them, and this is the highest uh, receiving yard game of Parker's career. So... I'm happy that he's finally getting involved in the system and getting the ball and running his routes effectively so that Matt can get him the ball. Um, And then the Patriots are actually playing back-and-forth football, which Mm -hmm. is something that I was very concerned about coming into the season. I wasn't sure how capable this offense was going to be to responding after getting scored on and mounting comebacks, but I, I was pleasantly surprised with a majority of this game. The turnovers took them out of it at the end, but from... From the in the first three quarters, there was there was a lot of moments where I was like, "Man, this team's actually fighting," and I was happy to see that. Mm-hmm. And and the turnovers, like 
it, this is a Bill Belichick-led team. You're not expecting that to be something that's going to repeat week in and week out. It's it's something this is probably a one-off. It, it could happen again, but given the hell he's probably given them in the film room this week, I doubt we'll see that type of turnovers yeah. next week. So I'm I'm overall I'm very positive with this performance. And then for Mac, obviously this is a, a little bit less of a positive takeaway now that he can't run. But his running ability was something that it seemed very well improved or better than in previous last year and then previously in this season. His running ability and his confidence. He seems like he's fast. He has the speed that we didn't have when we had Brady. And I guess Newton was fast, but he didn't really he didn't make play the right much, decisions. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's he's fast and he makes the right re- reads on his feet and he's getting those downs and he's he's making plays that you want a mobile quarterback to be able to do. Yeah, and I think really that's great sign. I think. Up until, like, this point in this game, I didn't really think of Mac Jones as a mobile quarterback because a lot of times, like, in college, he'd just be a pocket passer throwing 80-yard bombs to Jalen Waddle. And in in the NFL at times, you wouldn't see him, you know, going for those long runs that he, that he would have at times in this game today. But it was, like you said, I was pleasantly surprised at the mobility that I saw out of him. It's something that he had got that Patriots fans and the Patriots organization hasn't had in a, in a long time, because obviously as Brady started getting older, he started taking more less and less of those chances. But I wanted to go real quick, go back to the Bill Belichick point that you brought up, where you know, you know, like you said, they'd probably give him hell in the in the film room right now. But that's what you kind of expect from a, the Bill Belichick, especially because after Week One when they lost to the Dolphins, they didn't have any offensive rhythm or like they couldn't score. They only put seven points up against the Dolphins and then they come back week two against the Steelers and on their first drive, like their first or second drive, they had, they like ran, they walked down the field as if there wasn't any defense and scored a touchdown. So I feel like those small issues where there was, you know, protecting the ball, helping Mac make better decisions, game time decisions uh, is going to help them improve. And as it, in my opinion, and you can disagree with me all you want, but it feels like as of now, the Patriots don't necessarily have a, Identity, if that makes sense. Like, you know, relying on their defense and, you know, having the offense just try and work through their problems like how the Steelers are right now. But I feel like that's going to work its way out, like, by week eight or nine to, you know, see what their identity is going to be this season. Because, I mean, I feel like you're in the same boat where coming in this season, you didn't know, like, the offense was going to be just lighting up points and the defense was just going to have to hold their own or if it was the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that point. I think they're definitely still trying to figure out what type of team they are mm-hmm. and that's going to continue to develop as the season goes on and obviously that's going to change a little bit now that Brian Hoyer is the starting quarterback yeah so it'll it'll definitely be interesting especially because they're playing the Packers this week and I'm a little bit nervous for how this game's going to go but mm-hmm. I mean overall it was a positive game for me aside from the, the loss the, the loss and mm-hmm. the injury more yeah importantly uh and I wanted to talk about on the Ravens side a little bit because there were a couple guys that really impressed me there. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, he's playing back up to that MVP season yeah. type of form. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can pull up a stat line really quick because I didn't write it down. Eighteen for twenty nine yeah. for two eighteen, four touchdowns and interception. He had, I think he had one ten on his feet too before he kneeled the ball at the end of the game. So. Um, <laughs> oh, one ten rushing. Yeah. yeah, he had eleven carries for one hundred and seven yards. Yeah, yeah, it's. The man is playing fantastic football. And yeah. he's already, I don't know if you saw the stat, but I think it was week one, he's already passed Mike Vick for the most, like, 100-yard rushing games as a quarterback in NFL history. Through this week? No, I think he did it week one. 
Oh, in his career. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you yeah. meant just the season. I'm like, how can you have it after <laughs> one game in the season? No, yeah. I think he. No, I think his this career was game gotcha. number ten, and Mike had Mike Vick had eight. Yeah. So that's an that just shows the electrifying playmaking ability that he has. Yeah. If he if he keeps this up, and I mean the Ravens would be a three and team if it wasn't for the collapse that they had last week. So if he keeps up this level of playing, he's definitely at the top of that MVP conversation right now. I would agree, especially with, you know, how, you know, the favorites at the beginning of the season, you had, you know, Josh Allen at the quarterback position. You had Tom Brady's always in there, but he wasn't as, what? Herbert. Justin Herbert, yeah. But those, like, guys have kind of, not taking steps back, but, like, just taking, like, a little wobble back. Like, they're trying to get. Same with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, exactly, especially that Colts offense, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But after you know Lamar Jackson after week one after he found his footing and that stuff like that he just kind of took off and yeah it's definitely something he can sustain but it's just a matter of being able to put complete games together and we saw that last week against the Dolphins and you would think that it would just be a one-time fluke with how you know in the interviews you always hear how Lamar's so competitive and stuff like that so I don't expect um the Ravens to falter or go away by any means because they're two and oh in a way and they the one loss was against the Dolphins who have been playing extremely hot right now and then on defense for them, I also wanted to highlight Kyle Hamilton a little bit, their yeah. first-round safety this year. He made some mistakes last week and got in that game against the Dolphins, but he really made some great plays in this game, including that forced fumble on Nelson Aguilar, and he, he really did impress me. So I just I just wanted to throw his name out there a little bit. Yeah, there's a reason they drafted him in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, good pickup by the Ravens. All right, I think we're going to stay in the AFC a little bit and – I'll let you take the reins and talk a little bit about the Steelers because I watched absolutely zero of this game. Yeah, I didn't want to watch much more than you did, which isn't much because, let me tell you, in the second half, it was not pretty by any means. You know, the final score in that game was 29-17 to 17 against the Browns of all people. You know, in the first half, it was 13-14. You know, to 14. It was 13-14 to 14 going into, that, into the second half, and then after then, they couldn't get any offensive production. They had... Two touchdowns in the second quarter. You know, George Pickens had that ridiculous back. Odell I think that was the Beckham. only thing I saw from this game. Yeah, because it was all over social media within five minutes of it happening. But going into the second half, they scored three points, and the Browns scored 13 in the fourth quarter alone. That's not something you need to do if you're trying to build a championship team. And obviously, yes, it's Mike Tomlin. He's going to try to figure it out. It's a lot like how Bill Belichick is. But starting with the defense... The front seven needs to step up in a multitude of ways, especially the linebacker group. Obviously, we ta- we've touched on it multiple times, but the loss of T.J. Watt on that front seven is greater than anyone's predicted but already knew about because, you know, you have Alex Highsmith on the outside opposite of him. You got Cam Hayward in the nose tackle. You got Tyson Alawalu. But, like, outside of those guys who are producing or showing to, like, be able to stop the run and the pass and get to the get home against the quarterback – it's really it. I know they brought in Miles Jack as the middle linebacker to, you know, go compliment Robert Spillane and Devin Bush. But they have a lot of good players, but somebody has to take the step from being a good player to becoming a great player. Because when TJ Watt comes back and, like, you know, at this point it's like four or five weeks that, you know, they have all these pieces around him to where, you know, they're flying around like they were in week one, but then taking an extra step forward to become even a better defense. Because, you know, the, we talked about it last week as well where the offense is still trying to figure out what they're trying to do with the young pieces and talent nonetheless that they have. So they have to rely more and more on that defense. But um, I feel like the offense by offensive play calling by Matt Canada has something that hasn't been talked a lot about anywhere, and especially not in here because it's, it's my job not holding them accountable about that. But the 
amount of like Deontay Johnson in the last game, I saw it on Amazon next gen stats um, that all of his routes were on the outsides of the fields. None of them were crossing over the middle, forcing the safeties to come over to set up somebody else or st- and something like that. So that's something that needs to change because they need they can't just be going to, you know, Deontay Johnson, a 10 yard out route to the sideline for an eight yard completion or whatever it may be. They have to make sure to mix it up. And that was one of the things that they brought in Matt Canada for to become the OC was to get more creative with the offense. And well, in my opinion, that play calling in the past first three weeks have been lackluster, to say the least. But the offense, like I kind of met, I mentioned it earlier, but like the offense has to be able to sustain the production that they get in the first half. They can't be lackadaisical, can't be complacent going into halftime. There, because obviously the NFL is, you know, they only get there's only 32 defensive coordinators in the entire league. Somebody, there's a reason that they're there, and they're gonna be able to mix match and fight back of what their offense has been doing in the first half. So you got to keep coming up with new and better ideas for the second half to, you know, make sure you score on that offensive production. But hopefully, going into this week against they're playing next week they're playing the jets you know you'd think that the jets would be a easy opponent to try new things out but now the jets have been you know tearing up the league so far and it's been really i've been really impressed by the jets so far this season so it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means but you would think that they'd be able to figure some stuff out against a quote lesser opponent than you would think in the jets for sure great Uh, analysis cameron (laughs) (laughs) i think we'll take it to sunday night football here um there's a lot of weird scores this week. This one, was, this one was one of them. I think it was the second time ever that the scores happened. Yeah. The Broncos beat the 49ers 11-10, to 10, and that was because Jimmy Garoppolo pulled a Dan Arlovsky and stepped out of the end zone for the game-winning safety for the Broncos. Yeah. Um, did, you see his you tweet? did you see his tweet right after, Dan Arlovsky? Yes. Yeah, freedom. He's not the only one. He, I, I wrote it in here. I said, Jimmy Garoppolo joins elite company with Dan Arlovsky running out of the back of the end zone. But, yeah, it was a great, weird game, to say the least. I know the Broncos' defense kept the offense in the – kept their Broncos' team in the game with three sacks – four sacks and three takeaways, excuse me. But it almost, like, brings up the question, you know, in this offseason, you know, when they got Russell Wilson to come in and fix the quarterback issue, they thought this offense was going to be super explosive, scoring points out of anywhere, and they have not done that the first three weeks. Do you think that's more of – you know, Russ being under pressure, even though he is a veteran quarterback, or is it more of, you know, play calling with the offense and game day decisions? I don't know, because it seems like in the games that I've watched him play, it seems like he just doesn't look great until the fourth quarter. And he he just, I don't I don't know what needs to change there, because we saw that in Seattle too, where it was a thing where he would have like terrible games for three quarters, yeah. and then he'd come alive in the fourth and they'd win the game. And I don't, I don't know what needs to be fixed to solve that issue. It's just if the Broncos are going to be that explosive team, if they're going to put up large magnitudes of points, they really do need Russell Wilson to play consistent football for four quarters, and that's something they're not getting from him right now. Yeah, the... The, um... What was I going to say? The head coach for the Broncos, they brought in an offensive and analyzer. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. they brought... I think that that's kind of like their step to, like, making better game day decisions, you know, managing the game and stuff like that. But it's obviously one piece that needs to be addressed to a larger issue. Um, but, yeah, the to talk about the score real quick, the you mentioned the last time it's only happened. It's only happened another time. It was in 2008 when the Steelers played the Chargers. I, off the top of my head, I don't think it's the game that Troy Palomaro had that, like, 
finger grab interception and then returned it for a touchdown, like in the snow against the Chargers. But it was a weird game that then as well. But yeah, it was to say the least it and like we said it with the rest of the games as well, but the Sunday night football score and like just the games this weekend were weird. There's like just like weird plays happening. We talked about the turnovers with the Ravens and Pats, the scores with the with the Niners and the Broncos this week, it's just all over the place. It's been a weird season so far, and we'll we'll get into some weirder plays that happened. Yeah, that happened later in the show, but I don't know. It's just a weird game overall. I mean, you mentioned the sacks. Denver's defense is keeping them in these games. Oh this yeah, is, this easily could be a team that is zero and three right now if if their defense didn't hold them out there and give Russell Wilson time to get his head in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like you said, like he's been playing like absolute dog water for three quarters and in the fourth quarter he decides to turn it on but in most games and is this one maybe the few of the exceptions where he can just turn it on and score a bunch of points in the fourth quarter you can't be doing that in the nfl especially if you want to try to make a super bowl run and i know that's part of the reason that he came to denver because they had all these great pieces on paper but being able to put it to paper into practice into games is two different stories Three different stories. I think it's just an offense that needs some time to work itself out. Yeah. So I'm not going to put too much stock in anything I'm seeing in the first three weeks of a season. Yeah, and I think part of it was that a lot of guys are, like, getting banged up and, like, aren't staying healthy and on the field all the time. And that could be part of the issue as well. But it's uh, something to be can work, keep your eye on as you move farther into the rest of the season. Yeah, speaking of weird games, you know, we're going to keep moving with this theme. The Packers squeak out a win over the Bucks. You know, they were, throughout the week, everyone's touting it. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, the four-time MVP against Tom Brady, the six-time MVP, going head-to-head on America's Game of the Week, you know, on Fox. And then that game happens. It's, it's supposed to be GOAT versus GOAT. It's supposed yeah. to be two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and somehow we got a game that ended 14-12. to 12. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting one for sure. Yeah, to say, to say the least, 14-12 to 12 in Tampa, you know, Aaron Rodgers threw for two touchdowns. Tom Brady threw for one. Both quarterbacks threw it for 35 and 42 times. Like, you would think that it would be a higher-scoring game than that, but I don't know what to make out of the entire, you know, only scoring a combined 26 points in the entire game. You would expect that just from one team. I mean, the the defenses were good on both sides here. That's not yeah. to say, like, the offense was terrible, but at least on the Bucks side, Tom Brady just had no one to throw to, like, Mike Evans is suspended. Chris Godwin's out with an injury. Julio Jones is out with injury. Really, the only guy that he could rely on in this game was Russell Gage, who mm-hmm. is not exactly a household name. I think, yeah. he had, I think he had 13 targets in this game. Scotty Miller can't catch a pass or make a play to save his life. None of these other guys can really do much for Brady, and that that doesn't help in a game like this. Yeah, and especially in a game where the Packers have one of the better defenses in the entire league, where, they, where you know, like you said, you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, who are both out, and Julio Jones as well. They only have to worry about, you know, one or two pieces, if you want to call them that. And you saw a lot more receiving out of the backfield for uh, Leonard Fournette. He had five receptions for 35 yards, and normally you don't want to be giving Leonard Fournette five receptions. You'd rather give him, you know, 20 rushes and have him you know work the clock in ground game but even then he had 12 rushes for 35 yards nothing was just clicking for the buccaneers this week and i saw um this morning no i think it was yesterday that rex ryan the former jets head coach said the second that 
the Mike Evans got suspended and ejected out of the last week's game that the Patriots, not the Patriots, excuse me, the Buccaneers lost this game against the Packers because he poses such an offensive threat to defenses, and rightfully so. I mean, he's been putting up crazy numbers the past few years, and when you don't have a piece like that, it makes it easier to go defend your team. When when you have one of the best secondaries in the NFL and the number one wide receiver that you're facing is Russell Gage, I think you have a fairly good shot to win the game. Yeah. I think I think this game, like we're going to talk about in a minute, the same way with the Bills game, I don't think you put too much stock in this mm. loss given the amount of injuries that they have. Yeah. Um, I think the best part of this game, though, is I don't know if you saw the play, but when Aaron Jones fumbled on the goal line, it was because Vita Vea dropped into coverage and then came over and paused. Vita Vea dropped into coverage. Yeah. What? <laughs> you got to Google this video because it's I'm like. I'm doing it right now. Aaron I, Jones drops at the goal line. Yeah, Aaron Jones fumble. He, like, he dropped back into coverage and then came across and, like, blindsided Aaron Jones. And, like, I don't know. Like, I can imagine he was expecting to get hit, like, a norm by a normal hit like from a db yeah and then you get oh, hit by a, a 350 pound truck that is <laughs> right in the back yeah. too. oh my gosh I don't, I don't understand you can't really protect yourself from that yeah <laughs> wow i think that was the highlight of this game for me yeah just like when you said vita vea dropping in a coverage i was like huh i think what? in a situation like this where he only has to cover like five, five yards. yards yeah it wasn't that wasn't that <laughs> bad of a play to be honest with you is right yeah all right, we'll probably move back to the AFC here. Um, the Dolphins are now the last undefeated team in the conference after they yep. beat the Bills in another weird score and another game that had um, a safety. It was uh, 20, 21 to 19, the Dolphins won. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so that safety came in a different way than Jimmy Garoppolo. We had uh, the butt fumble. Yeah, we got a we've resurrection. Had the, we've had the butt interception. And now we have the butt the, punt. The butt punt. Man, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And it goes along with our theme, if you haven't picked up on it yet, just the weirdness of week three in NFL football. I think they were snapping the ball from, like, what, the two-yard line? And normally you'd have, like, you know, 12 to 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage to be able to punt punt it off. But the punter, I think, his name, I think it was Sam Koch, I'm pretty sure. But he had, like, maybe maybe eight yards to get a punt off so you know his 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 punt protector backed up a little too far and you know got the ball off the butt and hence the name the butt punt and that turned out to be a safety for the dolphins in in favor of the bills by that was forced by the dolphins and that drew the bills in closer but still were unable to finish obviously with the score 21 to 19 but this is just another game that I didn't want to touch much about about the butt fumble because it wasn't, although it may have been a funny play and added two points to the score, it was still a very impressive win in my mind. And it's still the entire season so far for the for the Dolphins where the first coach, first year head coach, Mike McDaniel, I wrote this down, either he figured out how to coach Tua and build an offense around Tua or Tua figured out how to work into an offense and play football finally. Because it's either one of those two things. It's not like, I wouldn't say it's either one of those two things, but it was some sort of marriage that happened in the offseason where they just hit the ground running. And obviously when you add a player like Tyreek Hill, it adds quite a bit of offensive offensive power and weapons. But 
they won the last two games by a combined seven points. And when he, in la- last week they came back against the Ravens to win by five. And they, like again, I said, squeaked out a win against a solid Bills team. But it was still a, it was still a very impressive by the Dolphins to get to come out with the win. I would like to add that I think the butt punt might have played in the Dolphins' favor. Because it was one of those situations where they're up by four, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to punt. And you give a team great territory by punting from the two-yard line mm-hmm. versus taking the safety. They're now, they're now have to, they now can kick a field goal to win the game. But you're, you have a kickoff, so you can get it way down the field, and you just have to, with that much time left on the clock, you just have to like value your defense enough to know that you can stop them on that drive. So I, I genuinely think doing that, although they did not mean to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have played in their favor at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I, the way the way you put that was well well said because especially when, you know, I think of Iowa a lot of times, Iowa's uh, Hawkeyes where, you know, they just play defense and they punt the ball. I remember last year when Penn State played Iowa in Iowa, they, um, they the commentators talked about how their head coach punted a possession early on like a fourth and three when they could have gone for it and to get touchdown they punted and penn state started the ball at like the two-yard line they forced a three and out they got the ball back with a short field and then scored a touchdown i think that kind of what played into it, it wasn't exactly what happened but it kind of played into the bill's favor like you said yeah it's 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 about obviously this is wasn't a strategy but it's about yeah by luck knowing the game and like there are situations where getting point like having points against you actually goes in your favor which is it's just interesting to think about and another thing that's weird about the sport of football yeah but with this with this game overall i think there's definitely a lot more to take from this game for the dolphins than there are the bills the bills they were hurting a lot on on pretty much all fronts their secondary was especially hurting they just lost micah hyde for the season for the with season, a neck yeah. injury Jordan Poyer was out with a foot injury. Dane Jackson was out. And then beyond that, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, Mitch Morse, all those are starters. They were all out as well. And there was a plethora of injuries throughout the game as well. I think Stephon Diggs was out for a couple plays. There was a couple other guys out. It was just, it wasn't a great game for the Bills in the hot Miami atmosphere that's that's not going to exist past September. Yeah. So, I mean, Josh Allen had two fumbles, which didn't really have the greatest game. But, I mean, I wouldn't. Like I'd mentioned a couple minutes ago, I'm not going to put too much stock in this game for the Bills. Yeah, I don't. Th- I throughout just like putting a blanket statement over it too. I feel like you can't put much stock into Week Three of NFL football. Yeah, you can point out, take out some positives and negatives, but overall, like we've been saying this entire time, it's been, it's been a weird week. You can't really pinpoint where the teams need to go from here on out. I would say you can't put much stock in any singular week of an NFL season because I think you have to look at everything as a collective, and if trends repeat themselves then yeah you can make that a cause for concern but on a one-off basis i don't think you can really take anything and be like this is the root of all the issues with this team Mm -hmm. yeah i think that was a fair assessment as well so heading back over to the nfc the eagles are on a roll they're flying so we you got it we posed the question to each other you know are the eagles the real deal and cameron i'll let you start off with uh with this one I think the NFC runs through Philly. That's through three weeks. That's my. I know. I I said don't put too much stock in. <laughs> She's just goes immediately season, contradictory on his statements. <laughs> through three two, through three weeks, I really believe in this Philadelphia Eagles team. I mean, they have really epitomized. I don't want to say the rebuild, but 
getting the pieces and flipping the tide on a team. I mean, this is a team that last year you were looking at it like, is Jalen Hurts even a like a starting quarterback in this league? And now he's mm-hmm. playing MVP level football. Devonta Smith, eight catches for 169 yards and a touchdown this week. Yeah. This Eagles team has two number one wide receivers now, him and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown went a little bit nuts week one. He had a, he had a very good game this week as well. I mean, it's this is going to be a tough team to come up against, especially in the later stages of the season. I mean, it, it even seems like in these games that they're taking their foot off the gas in the second half. They scored all 24 of their points this week in the first half of the game. So mm-hmm. there was definitely... They still, still held the commanders to eight points. Yeah, there was, there was still definitely some uh, some room for them to score there, and it's... I I would be scared if I have to face the Eagles going forward. No, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I You kind of mentioned it with the amount of weapons that they got in the epitome of a rebuild, and they didn't do the exact same thing when they made the Super Bowl run a few years ago and actually ended up winning, but they, they're poised, and again, we just put so much stock in saying not to put so much stock in the first three weeks, but I, if the trend continues where they're still undefeated, you know, we you know, for two or three weeks down the road, they part of it has to do with the amount of weapons that they have. You mentioned already Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders in the backfield. Those are just the four players. But then you have on the defense who's got an ex- insane secondary. They drafted the Georgia defensive tackle who was just taking off his own center in training camp this past season. I'm, I'm sure you saw that video, but they have weapons in the front seven and in the secondary to where they can force offenses to make bad mistakes. And it's like I think it's a fair assessment, and I won't jump on it as well. But I feel like it's leaning towards the NFC is going to run through Philly this year. And with all how bad, not with how bad the rest of the teams are playing in the NFC, it, you can make a very good case if the season ended today. I mean, it, it would run through Philly if the season ended today, but that you can see in the future that it might be running through Philly this year. Yeah, and this team to me reminds me very much of that. 2018 Super Bowl winning team Mm -hmm. and I can't exactly put my finger on why but watching that team and watching this team they just give me very similar feelings and I I have a very good feeling about this Eagles team Mm -hmm. going forward in the season and then in the playoffs I'm sure it pained you to say the feeling about the 2018 Eagles team yeah I I would I don't I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Patriots are there to face (laughs) them again but yeah yeah so we keep jumping back and forth, but we're going back to the AFC to talk is, a little bit. This is just the order that I wrote down when I woke up this morning. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, this is quite literally it. But it's the way the cards are dealt, we're just dealing with them. The Colts upset of the Chiefs. You know, last week we both had them as our lock for the Chiefs to beat the Colts. But then I hate again predictions. Yeah, because I'm always wrong. Yeah, I I never liked them as well. But the Colts upset the Chiefs. Just. Wow. I mean, they were shut out. The Colts were shut out by the Jaguars and then tied to the Texans. The last thing I was expecting them were coming in to beating the Chiefs, who played outstanding football the first two weeks and just dominate and upset the team in, in the later stages of the game. I, I would say that the the Chiefs lost this game more than the Colts won, won this game. I mm-hmm. mean, Matt Ryan played well enough for the Colts to win the game. Obviously, he, he capped that winning drive with the, the touchdown pass. But... I feel like the Chiefs just kind of kept shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, their special teams was horrendous yeah. in this game. Yeah. Sky Moore muffed a punt, which led directly to the a Colts touchdown because he put them in great field position. 
Another punt seemed like he was scared of the ball. He ran away from it, and that, that set the Chiefs up deep in their own territory. Yeah, I think it was like a one, or like not even the one, like the one foot it line. Was, it was very close to the end zone. The Chiefs also missed a field goal and an extra point. They also had a fake on a fourth down that they just kind of flubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing was really going right for them back there, and it's one of those situations where special teams usually doesn't make or break a game, but in this game it did. <laughs> yeah, all the coaches, every, every coach always preaches about the three phases of the football game and they never fail to neglect special teams and I think this was the perfect example of talking about how special teams can make or break a game because like we said last week you know we expected the Chiefs just come in and beat the Colts after how poor they were playing and then you know we get the changing of the tides where the Colts are upsetting the Chiefs and I think correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like Although, like you said, the Chiefs were lost this game more than the Colts won. I feel like their running game started getting back into it. You know, they started to look like the team of old where they were at the end of the last season. Yeah, I think it's definitely a positive step for the Colts, especially, I mean, just to get a, a, a one in the win column yeah, just now. Win, yeah. So I, I think it does a lot for their confidence going forward. But uh, I think this is definitely more on the Chiefs than it is the Colts. Obviously, the, the last drive there, the, the Chiefs had the Colts back down they had them on a on a fourth down but the Chris Jones 15 yard on sportsman like penalty mm-hmm. kind of continued the drive for the Colts there and that was ultimately cost them the game yeah no I agree all right so co- coming back into a I don't know if you want to call it upset because uh, the Jaguars just absolutely steamrolled the Chargers heading into this week My initial thoughts when I first saw the score, I was like, oh, they just changed the graphics. The Chargers actually won 31 to 10. But it wasn't, it was in fact the Chargers. And I think this brings up an interesting point with Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. Obviously, they shut out the Colts last week. They steamroll over the Chargers, scoring uh, 31 points. This may be one of the better sophomore jumps that I've seen from a quarterback in in the past few years. Trevor Lawrence is having his coming out party, and he's he's really showing that he is the quarterback everybody thought he was going to be coming out of Clemson. He's coming out of high school too. Yeah, insane yeah. coming out of high school. It's it's nice to see, and it's the Jaguars are a team that they're fun to watch when they're relevant. Obviously, they had that 2018 season where out of nowhere they just kind of randomly became the best defense in the NFL and yeah. made the AFC Championship game. But since then, nothing's really ever been the same. That defense kind of fell apart, and they've they've really done a lot to build it back up here. Obviously, they brought in some free agents like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Devin Lloyd's doing his thing on defense, and then also, um, I mean, this is this is one of those things where the AFC South is the worst division in football, and I don't think there's a question about that. Mm-hmm. And the Titans can't get their stuff together. The Colts look like maybe they're inching in the right direction, but. It's too if, early to tell. If, yeah. if the Jaguars continue to, to play at this pace, they could very easily win this division, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely have a first-round home game when it comes to the playoffs and be facing, you know, probably not one of these. They'll probably be going up, up against a good AFC team because we've mentioned it a couple times as well where, you know, it almost seems like every team in the AFC deserves a playoff spot and we want to move some of the AFC, AFC teams over to the NFC, but we can't do that. Yeah. So it would be difficult for them to get to the playoffs and not win a game in the playoffs, but it's definitely something that wouldn't be the worst, biggest shock. I mean, 
obviously in this game, Justin Herbert was playing injured, and it, it kind of looked like it, so that, that was definitely a factor in the outcome. But mm-hmm. I still think the fact that the Jaguars put up 38 points here is a very encouraging sign. And if I was a Jaguars fan, I'd be very excited for the future. I would, too. I would agree with that as well. Uh, I think that's all for the the direct games that we're going to talk about this week. But there was some big news in the NFL today and that they're replacing the Pro Bowl with a week-long skills competition and a flag football game. So I would first like to hear your thoughts on this because I I have an opinion. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like on paper, the Pro Bowl was always the best two teams, the best players from each conference playing each other. In one game in Hawaii, and obviously they switched it up to going to different places throughout the past few years. The idea of it was always an outstanding concept, like I said, getting the best players from each conference playing in one game. But over the past few years where they were just trying to make it like a, make it a lot like the NBA All-Star game where it was kind of just like a shootout. It wasn't much actual NBA game, like actual NBA or NFL play going on. It, it was immediately lost my interest in... So I th- in my interest when it, that immediately started falling off. So I, I think it's a good idea to you know put the skills competitions at play because, you know, they are these great athletes and we don't always get to see them without their helmets off, you know, performing all these crazy, you know, skills that they've done throughout the week and prior to the Pro Bowl. But I feel like just to make it about, you know, the actual skills that they've put on, I think it's a good idea, to be honest with you. I think, yeah, obviously the Pro Bowl is hands down the worst all-star game in all the major american sports Mm -hmm. i would agree football is just not a game that you can have a competitive game with no meaning behind it and these guys don't want to play hard in in a game like that where they could get injured and it could ruin their career so i'm i'm definitely not mad at the nfl for moving away from the game itself because i personally never watched it anyways Mm because it didn't interest me um but I, i think as a whole this also is not particularly interesting i mean i know it's a massive revenue stream for them but i would i would be much happier if they just can the whole thing overall no pro bowl at all like i just i just like just name all-star teams and call it at that like obviously they're not going to do that because they make a ton of money off of it yeah. in the area itself but it's just like i i guess it's cool for kids and if if that's the case then yeah, whatever. Like, it doesn't really make that big of a difference to me because I'm not like gonna pay attention to it regardless. Yeah. But like a flag football game and skills competitions don't really interest me. Yeah, I think it's a good thing that I you know copied and pasted this tweet over into my notes because Jason Kelsey, the Eagles center, he actually posted something. He quote tweeted the AP when they broke the news or posted about the news on Twitter, and he said, "Please tell me there's a hot dog eating competition for the offensive lineman and I'd defensive watch that. lineman." I'd That's watch what I mean. That. That's like if they, if they started doing those types of things, where it was more entertaining and like put those guys to work, but in different ways. I I don't want it to just be a combine for guys that are already in the league. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, I can only yeah. watch the combine once a year. Yeah, there's a reason it's once a year, and it's. Not the greatest attention grabber by any means, but I feel like you know he, Jason Kelsey also, you know, put it made it a thread and was like, I hope the NFL branches out beyond sp- football specific things like a spike ball tournament, cornhole, ping pong, dodgeball. You know, that, I would, that's a, I don't think that's something I that. Go ahead. No, you yeah, go. yeah, I think it's something that could be entertaining by all means, because especially like spike ball, I love watching spike ball on ESPN. Contrary to popular popular belief, but. 
you know, just seeing all those athletes running around, I think it'd be really interesting to see some like running backs or tight ends like from the same team working out and playing spike ball because I feel like that showed their their agility in different ways than just on the football field. I, I think just things that highlight the players as people. Yeah. More than anything else. So maybe if that's if that's stepping a little bit away from football and into different things like that, I think that's I think that's great. Just I don't think we need to just see like tar- like people throwing footballs at targets because that's part of the pur- purpose of a combine as well. Yeah. I see what you're coming with that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing you brought it yeah, up. Yeah, obviously, I think they had dodgeball last year, and I'm pretty sure I watched it. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to see them do some stuff like that. I just don't want it to be basic stuff that they've done in the past. Yeah, I think it's a good thing that you brought up as well with you know highlighting the athletes more as people because you always because it's a good thing that you brought up because you always see them out on Sundays. You know making these insane catches, plays, defenses, and winning championships and stuff like that. And although it's entertaining to watch, you don't always see it as, you don't always see it, you know, behind the scenes, you know, what they go through, what they are like as people. And I think that's one of the cool things about people having, like Travis and Jason Kelsey having the podcast you always see all the time. Like that stuff is that I get more excited about that at times and the actual games on Sundays because you get to know a little bit more behind the scenes, behind the helmet. I think it's a good thing that, would it be a bad inch, bad thing to dive into a little bit? Yeah, I think I think in all major sports, people are kind of taking a step away from the traditional sense of an all-star game because obviously the injuries are not something that the players or the owners or the coaches or anybody really wants to happen in those games. So yeah. we've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in the NHL. If, if they can figure out a way to, to really highlight individuals and personalities in these games and doing something other than football or football adjacent i think that i think that's great for the game yeah that'd be definitely something that maybe we'll maybe we'll, maybe over the ledge just send in a little you know formal letter to roger goodell see what he does with it but okay so that's the kind of the storylines we've seen throughout the past week whether it's the nfl games or the nfl replacing the pole pro bowl but heading into week four we mentioned both teams already, but as our game of the week this week, we're going to go with the Jaguars versus the Eagles in Philly. We talked about the last, the week three games for both teams that played extremely well. You know, the Jags team rolling the Chargers and the Eagles beating up and winning and going undefeated so far. So that's our game of the week. I think it's going to be a battle, to be honest with you, even though it teams, two teams that you wouldn't expect to be talking about when it comes to, you know, a game of the week type of scenario. Yeah, it's it's definitely one before the season I would not have highlighted, put a star mm-hmm. on, but that's where we are now. Yeah. I mean, second-year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence against a third-year guy in Jalen Hurts, two guys that have been pretty electric to start the season, two offenses that have proven they can put up points, two defenses that have shown they can shut teams down. It's going to be an interesting game, especially in the environment that Philadelphia is when it comes yeah. to football. And especially because the... Um Philly, the Eagles have only played one game at home, and now this will be their second game at home after already coming off a three and zero, three and zero record, and having a decent opponent, which is scary to say about the Jaguars being two and one this early in the season. It'll be definitely in a crazy environment for the Eagles and the Jaguars game on Sunday. Do you want to make the drive down? It's not that far of a drive. Maybe could stay in Jason's house. <laughs> <laughs> so going into our week four locks, we're. You know, the game of the week might have been something that we thought we both know we were going to, you know, we were excited about to be watching, but to actually be able to make locks, 
Cameron and I both had struggles <laughs> making locks this week. I just didn't pick anyone. I'm going to be honest with you. I, just, mm-hmm. I I sat there and looked at the schedule, and I I looked at all the games, and I was like, there's no way that I can confidently predict, predict that one team is going to beat another this week. There's To me, there's so much parity in the league that I can't like just outline a game and say this team is going to win. Yeah. Because in, in any game, I could see it going either way. Obviously, there's favorites, but I just don't have games where I'm like, that's a definite win for this team. Yeah, I, I agree. But I still, I still went ahead and made a pick and even then i'm still iffy about it but it is i picked the miami uh dolphins against cincinnati Bengals in favor of the dolphins just because of how well uh they've played obviously excusing the butt punt from last week uh but i think it was intentional i conspiracies in the nfl but heading into this game i feel like it's something that the Dolphins are definitely going to be able to go into the Week 5 being 4-0 and against the Bengals. You know, the Bengals haven't played extremely well. You know, the third in the NFC, AFC North at a 1-2 and record, b- beating the Jets pretty handily, 27-12. to But I feel like the Dolphins have the edge in this game. That's why I have them winning this game. So I don't know if you wanted to chime in at all about that as well, and we can go to our last little bit of news. Uh, I mean, this is... Same thing where yeah. I don't think I can confidently predict that Joe Burrow isn't going to have his, his not his coming out party, but like his breakout his game, breakout game mm-hmm. for the season yeah. where he comes back from struggling the first couple weeks. And I can't confidently say that that's not going to happen this week. So I, I couldn't say that, yeah, for sure the Dolphins are going to win this game because I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. So that kind of wraps up our NFL news. We kind of, even though training camp did start today for the NBA uh, which is always an exciting time. We love talking about, you know, NBA season. But something that happened about, what would you say, a week ago? Roughly. Roughly a week ago, uh, Ime Udoku, uh was in the news. The Boston Celtics head coach has been suspended for uh, this entire entirety of the 22-23 season um, for... Having an affair. Yeah, having an affair, a, basically. A Celtics yeah. staff member. Yeah, there um, is a lot of controversy going around with that and going on. I don't know if I need to touch that, that being a Celtics homebody. I'm I'm not one to comment on his personal matters. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's disappointing to not have a guy like him behind the bench this season. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic coach by all means last season, led them to the finals, helped them get there. Um, so it's going to be an interesting season for the Celtics, and this is just another hitch in the road for them. This offseason, it's been... It's been a, a tough one for them after coming off of that, that finals appearance. I mean, Gallinari tore his ACL. They brought in Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari, and then Gallinari tore his ACL in the FIBA World Cup. And then just last week, Robert Williams had a knee injury. I think he's going to be out three months because of that. And yeah. now this happens. So it's it's going to be interesting. Um, assistant Joe Mazzulla is taking over. He's a Brad Stevens disciple left over from before he moved to the front office. So. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he can do, but um, it's it's going to be an interesting season for the Celtics. Yeah, to, to say, say the least, least, it will be interesting. I mean, with Missoula, it's it'll be very interesting. Like none of, we've been repeating it, but I am very excited what he kind of brings. You know, he's been coaching the NBA summer league for the Celtics the past few years, and what I've seen, they've been able to produce put put pieces together quickly with that summer league uh, system. And be able to produce and get guys, you know, leagues, whether, contracts, whether it is with the Celtics or with another team. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting way to start off our NBA coverage this season yeah. for Over the Ledge. Uh, but that'll that'll do it for us this week. 
on Over the Ledge. We thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as always, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Over the Ledge WQAQ on Instagram and Over the Ledge 981 on Twitter. Make hey, sure to give us a little more confidence. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I keep saying it off the top of my head in the past, but I'll be getting there. I can just say it with, and say it confidently. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure to follow us. Keep up to date with all of our stuff that we got going on. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace. Look out the window. What do I see? A couple yachts. I got some thoughts. I tried the seven seas. Got CCs and Louis V's out of every season. Call me, please, for G's. Make them stop breathing. Must have just hit the new Ferrari. I just might copy one. They can't be rich. They just trying to make a carbon copy of them. Counting up the snow money. Every single day I'm home. I ain't worried about what they be on. You do what you can. I live a lifestyle on a daily home.